You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello and welcome to Super Talk. My name's Mel Burks, and today we'll be looking at the impact of the US election on markets. To help us navigate this, we're very happy to welcome Chief Investment Strategist from Northern Trust, Jim McDonald. Welcome, Jim. Thanks a lot, Mel. It's been a week since the election and a few days since uh, Biden, it looked likely that Biden will become the next president of the United States. Um, It's obviously not your first presidential election, I'm sure, but uh, viewing it from so far away, it does seem a bit more tumultuous than, uh, than most. So in what, your view, what makes this election different and what should institutional investors be aware of when they're sort of monitoring what's going on in the US right now? Well, so there was a lot of concern about the ability to execute the vote with the number of mail-in ballots. And I had hoped, and I think it turned out that this was a bit of a Y2K moment mm-hmm. where everyone was worried that things wouldn't work out and the worry was much worse than the reality. It's a pretty clear outcome, uh, both presidentially and at the Senate. And so what we're looking at now is it's really beyond just the presidential uh, win. Mm -hmm. It's what happens with the ability to get legislation passed. And the scenario that unfolded was actually, we thought was the second most likely of the four possible scenarios, but we thought it was actually the most positive for growth because you are likely to have a Senate which will be constraining what a democratic administration can do. So there will be some stimulus, but there are unlikely to be tax hikes. And that's one of the reasons the market's done so well in the most recent days. Okay, so it's interesting. So in terms of the makeup of the Senate, for those who are not as familiar with it, obviously in Australia, you need a majority, but I understand in the US, you need slightly more than that in order to kind of have um, the ability to pass any type of legislation. Are you able to sort of talk to us a bit about the implications of the makeup of the Senate on markets? Sure. So if you are in the White House and you have 50 senators and the other party has 50, it seems like it's tied. But the vice president, which is your pick, gets Mm -hmm. to break the tie. Mm -hmm. Now, all that really allows you to do is to affect taxes and spending. Mm -hmm. Pretty big items, but it doesn't allow you to pass regular legislation. And that's how President Trump got his tax cuts through Mm -hmm. in the first year of his new term. So that's why there was such a focus on if the Democrats won not only the White House, but a majority in the Senate, they could pass tax hikes and they could pass a big spending bill with even just 50 seats. The fact that the Republicans look likely to hold that means that they're going to have a real important hand at the bargaining table. Mm. A note of potential optimism is that uh, President-elect Biden was a longtime senator, apparently has a good relationship with Mitch McConnell. That's not going to make Mitch McConnell a moderate, Mm. but it is going to mean that they will have a more civil relationship, which is a constructive thing. I think the market's aren't really focused too much on that. But at the end of the day, it's got to be a bit of a positive. Mm, in terms of being able to negotiate to get things get things through, that makes sense. So I guess in addition to the Senate, obviously the appointment of key roles such as the Treasury Secretary will also have an impact on the economy and sort of set the tone for the direction that the administration is going to take. I read today in the Washington Post that it's looking likely that Lael Brainerd may be the front runner. She's currently a member of the US Federal Reserve's Board of Governors. If she is the likely front runner, what are your thoughts on her possible appointment and economic approach and what does that likely to indicate for the markets and investors? 
Well, there's two interesting aspects of this. The first is that the cabinet appointments have to be approved by the Senate. Mm. So that constrains the type of candidate that the president-elect will put forward. And Leo Brainerd is viewed as a very capable, experienced person. Mm. So we talked about that today in one of our uh, strategy meetings. And I think the market would take it relatively well. So it would be a centrist pick, somebody who's viewed as technically very capable. Interesting. And I, I note that um, I was reading also that her one of the potential sticking points, and I'll be interested in your thoughts, is her views on and her position on China. So I will lead into my, my China question based on that. But I noticed in Northern Trust's um, capital market assumptions uh, paper that US's relationship with China is sort of described as one world, two systems due to the different economic positions that the two countries take. What approach do you think the Biden administration will take to China? And I guess if you have anything to comment on the Lyle, potential Lyle Brainard appointment um, and whether that will maintain the status quo or have a positive positive or negative impact, I guess, on that relationship with China in your view. So I think the ship has really sailed on the relationship between the US yeah. and China. And it's really the West and China. Mm-hmm. There is a recognition and you have to give the president and the uh, Republican administration some credit for finally forcing some focus on how China has been able to basically have an advantageous position well beyond maybe when they should have been able to. Mm-hmm. And so the ability of the new administration to roll back tariffs, for example, that just is not going to happen. Okay. What you may see, though, is not a change in the strategy, but a change in the tactics. Okay. President Trump has been unpredictable. He's been putting tariffs on everybody uh, that he doesn't like and then pulling them off, and it's been very unpredictable. I think a President Biden will be more likely to work with coalition, and that actually could increase the bargaining power that we have uh, as the West with China. But I think that there is going to be this continued separation, most notably in what's happening with technology between uh, the West and with China. I don't think Leo Brainerd necessarily is going to be a real differentiator mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in this. I think the biggest aspect is going to be the tactics that are used, which have been the really unpredictable part the market hasn't really cared for. Yeah. And so do you think that more likely potential consistency will then um, help with the efficiencies or is it just that that it will make things, I guess the predictability is an improvement? I think that the temperature will be lowered. Yeah. And so that politically it is an absolute loser for the new administration to come in and take the uh, pressure off China. But I think the pressure will be exerted in a more diplomatic way. Yeah, a different fashion, that makes sense. So under the Biden uh, presidency and administration, what sectors do you think will benefit most in the US economy and which ones do you think may struggle a bit? Sure, so it's interesting. If there was the blue wave with a Senate majority of the Democrats, the impact of these would have been much more significant. Mm -hmm. So the sectors I'm going to mention are the same that would have been under that, but it's a more muted impact. So technology is probably a modest beneficiary, focus on increased research and development, uh, easier immigration and visa policies, which the tech industry really needs. Yep. Mm -hmm. The utilities, there will be a focus on clean energy, more investment, higher returns. And the third would be healthcare, mostly because of the removal of some negatives. We're not going to have a public option. We're probably not going to have uh, drug price controls. The sectors hurt, similar to what would have happened with a sweep, but less uh, impactful, 
Energy will probably have a bit of a headwind from regulation. Same with financials and the banks. And then the communication services area, the internet stocks, will probably face some headwind from increased regulation. That would have happened under a Republican administration also. Also, in terms of, I know you mentioned the uh, the visa rules, does that um, have an impact on the agriculture sector as well? Um, I know certainly in Australia, we rely heavily on, uh, you know, international Absolutely. workers. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's been something that's been an economic drag. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think the Trump administration made a political decision that they would benefit more from restricting immigration than they would from the positive economic benefit. And President Trump flirted with uh, easing immigration rules early on and uh, backed away from it. I think that this is something the market really wants to see. All countries benefit economically from well-managed regulation, immigration. It's Mm -hmm. certainly been a huge boost to Australia Mm -hmm. uh, from a growth standpoint for, for decades. And it's been a great boost to the U.S. for centuries. Yeah. I'm interested in your view, Jim, because obviously you're reasonably familiar with Australia, but what is the, what is the, the thing as a as an American you think that we don't understand, we don't get, for want of a better term? Is there something, there's an insight that is difficult for non-Americans to understand about the, the relationship between the market and the politics? Yep. Or Yeah. I think that it's great to remind ourselves of the checks and balances in the U.S. system. Mm-hmm. So you can make lots of wild pronouncements, but the courts are there to check it. The other House of Congress is there to check it. And so the diplomatic system has been set up with a lot of controls. Mm-hmm. The second thing I would say is there is a disconnect between the markets and the real economy because the biggest companies are ones that have actually benefited from the pandemic, for example. Yeah. And so earnings have been better than expected because these companies have benefited from the work from home and the smallest market cap companies are the ones that have been the worst hurt. And they're the older economy companies like airlines and and like auto companies. So I think focusing on the difference between the constituents of the markets and the broad economy is the second thing I would uh, encourage people to think about. Yeah, no, that's a really good, that's really interesting insight. And uh, I also, I mentioned before the uh, Northern Trust Capital Markets Assumptions paper, also in that it talked about the climate risk and staying focused on climate risk. And that's something obviously we're very alert to in Australia, having experienced one of the worst bushfire seasons earlier this year. And I know the US had a bad season as well. As we know, Trump just withdrew from the Paris Agreement and then Biden has quickly um, stated that the US would rejoin it. What impact in that shift do you think will will have that that will have on various industries and markets? So I do think it is an attitudinal shift. And uh, to be specific, not to correct you, but to be specific, Mm, Trump uh, gave the notice to withdraw, but they were smart when they they drew up the Paris Agreement. They don't let you just withdraw on a moment's notice. So, but Biden will will be saying, we do not intend to withdraw. And it's interesting to your point, Mel, The uh, Biden administration announced four priorities coming out of the um, election. This was just maybe yesterday. Number one, the COVID response. Mm -hmm. Number two, the economic recovery. Number three, racial equality. Number four, climate, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because they downplayed that during the election to some extent. uh, But the fact that it's back there means there will be some focus on clean energy. That's why utilities are probably a a beneficiary. 
but they will be constrained by a Republican Senate and how far it will go. They can push it. That's right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So you've mentioned COVID. Obviously, it's something that's uh, ever present in our lives. And unfortunately, it looks like the US may be heading towards another peak of COVID. Um, and you've talked about the um, industries impacted generally from the election. But how do you think this next potential wave in COVID and its tail will impact industries and um, such as health services and, and others? Well, it's been interesting. So it is uh, November 9th here in the States, November 10th in uh, mm. Australia. There were great developments today on the vaccine front. Mm. And so Pfizer has announced that their vaccine has greater than 90% efficacy. Mm. The market today in the US was up about a percent and a half okay. in the futures just on momentum in the, uh, in the election trade. Then this news came out and the market took off. Yeah. And there is also optimism from Dr. Fauci that the Moderna vaccine, which uses similar technology, he believes should also have similar efficacy. That's great news. Mm. So short term, from a health and a social standpoint, it is going to be a problem. Mm. From a market standpoint, the market is likely to look through this because now we can start to say they will likely start giving vaccines to vulnerable people as early as January. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's the point you made. It'll be a timing issue between the real economy and the market, won't it? Because it will actually take a while for any vaccine to substantially roll out, but it does give a positive um, outlook because there is the potential of that occurring. Absolutely. Yeah. So just um, to finish, I think it's, it's, I'd interested in your view, obviously, as long-term investors, uh, superannuation funds look to the future, uh, as, as you do yourself. And I guess in terms of making investment decisions for the members of retirement funds in Australia, what do you think the institutional investors and super funds should be looking out for in the Biden presidency as it kicks off in 2021 and going, and going forward? What are the sort of key things we should be monitoring from Australia? Sure. So the coming into the election, we were facing a low return environment with very low interest rates. Our forecast for Australian investment grade bonds is only a 1.2% return annually hmm. over the next five years. And Australian equities, 5.8. Now, I think that there is a chance that the environment's gotten improved a little bit hmm. based on the election, because it's not just Biden. There were state uh, referendums, yes. which really said that America is not ready to go to a far left agenda that would lead to much higher taxes and slower growth. So the growth environment might be improving a little bit uh, because of that. But the reality is low interest rates, high equity valuations mean that the nominal returns in public markets are going to be constrained. So it's going to be a continued focus on private markets as a way to try and boost those overall returns over the next five to 10 years. That's fantastic. So thank you very much for your time today, Jim. It's been, it's, it's interesting. It's not yet over. We've still got, um, we've still got a few things to play out um, as a result of the US election, but your early insights have been really valuable. And thank you again for your time today. Happy to do it, Mel.